0: it's much harder to watch than, than to play um i'm sure he was nervous for the most part but probably not like nowhere near as nervous as what he and my parents were yeah just just an incredible week right from the start
1: hi everyone and welcome back to the usga golf journal podcast alongside my co-host mike Trossel. I'm Dave Giancola. Today, it's another great one for you as we're joined by Alex Fitzpatrick, member of the 2019 and 2021 GB&I Walker Cup teams, a former Wake Forest Demon Deacon who just turned professional, and also the brother of 2022 U.S. Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick. There are a ton of storylines to dive into dating all the way back to 2013, so let's get going. And just like that, Alex Fitzpatrick joins the USGA Golf Journal podcast. Alex, thanks for taking the time. How are you today?
0: All good, thank you. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me on. Um, Yeah, I'm here down in Ireland and uh, excited for the week.
1: Hey, just turned professional after uh, finishing an awesome career as a Wake Forest Demon Deacon down in North Carolina. Now, before we dive into specifics, take us through the last few weeks where you've been. It's been a crazy uh, couple weeks of travel for you.
0: Yeah, um, I I must have been on 12 or 13 flights Um, before Boston. I was in Florida uh, playing or trying to qualify for the U.S. Open. From Florida, I flew to Boston. From Boston, I flew back home to Wake Forest in North Carolina, then flew immediately back to uh, Boston the next day to watch my brother play the final round, then flew back to uh, Charlotte to then drive back to Wake, to then back to Rally. I mean, it's been an absolute nightmare. And now uh, went to Alabama, and now I'm here in Ireland. So it's, it's been nonstop.
2: Yeah, racking up those frequent flyer miles this June, pretty uh, pretty remarkable uh, journey that you've had. But you mentioned Boston, and uh, let, let's not bury the leads here. You were there because your brother Matt was in the U.S. Open Championship, and, and he wasn't just in it, he was winning it. Uh, take us through what it was like to follow him you know, especially during that final round as he you know, was jockeying for position with Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris, and coming down the stretch. But just what was it like being out there with your parents, watching Matt compete for a major championship title?
0: Um, my honest words are a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, <laughs> I've said it to a few people. It's much harder to watch than, than to play. Um, I'm sure he was nervous. For the most part, but probably not. No, nowhere near as nervous as what me and my, my parents were. Um, yeah, just just an incredible week right from the start. Um, we stayed with the same people we did when uh, he played USM um, in 2013, and um, I don't know. It, it looked like he felt comfortable being out there. Um, his whole routine throughout the week has been was solid, and um, I know he was excited to, to get to get going on the Thursday, but um, obviously to be in contention and a chance to win on on Sunday was amazing. And, uh, yeah, I'm very lucky that I managed to get there in time um, to watch it all unfold and uh, especially to watch him win.
1: (laughs) So you were famously behind that 18th green. We saw the view of you reacting from behind the green, which was awesome and an incredible moment for your family. Now, obviously, you're a golfer. You know what it takes to have big, gutsy shots. Between the putt on 15 and that incredible fairway bunker shot on 18, Take us through what it takes to make shots like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if the shot before he held the putt on um, 15, the, the iron shot in from the right side uh, in the rough was like, I was stood maybe, I don't know, 20 feet from him, uh, me and my mom. And I saw the ball come off and I was like, oh my goodness. It just had like a little bit of draw in it and just heading straight for the flag. I was like, if it's, good, if it's the right number, I mean, it's perfect. And obviously to go to go and hold the putt which was I would say probably the most important one he's he made all day um that or maybe the one on 13 um was just gave him such a good chance going into the last couple of holes and uh yeah I mean it, it's it takes a lot of guts to um to pull off some of the shots he did and um like you said that's what it takes to, to win a US Open and uh to win major championships really um and the one on 18 specifically was um, set him up nicely for, for a chance to claim it.
2: Yeah, you don't always see a lot of emotion from
0: Matt when he's on the course. He kind of
2: keeps it pretty even keeled, pretty level. But when that putt went in on 13, that was an explosion of emotion and excitement that you know I had not seen in a long time. But to go back to the 15th hole, you mentioned an amazing shot from the right side to make that putt. That was a significant hole nine years ago as well. Uh, not your first time at the country club. You caddied for Matt there when you were what, 12, 13 years old back in 2013.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a uh, a clip that's sort of gone around a little bit of, of when he was uh when he was on that hole in the final um of the USM and I'm there just kind of flipping my putter around and kicking the head cover down the fairway and not not really thinking there's any cameras on us. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, like I said, it was kind of one of those when he hit the putt it was like this is just it looks like it's going to go in like it just i don't know it just felt like it had to happen um and obviously with that whole being that he won on in the u.s Army, it was kind of um almost like a big moment in both occasions really uh but yeah just just incredibly proud of him and uh, i felt like he was due one
2: and you you know, it's, we've talked about it's tough for you to follow it. You'd probably, probably rather have the club in your hand and be in more control than watching. But what are your parents like when they're there as well? How are mom and dad? Are they similar? Or are they different? You know, what are they like as fans
0: watching either one of you play? Um, first of all, my mom is, is not, not great. She's not bad, but she's not great. She gets incredibly nervous. and um, My mom actually didn't like... So, so walking around... Um, until the last four holes, we we were outside the ropes, and uh, it, I feel sorry for my mum. She's only five foot two, bless her, and uh, she just couldn't see anything, so she didn't. She barely watched the show all day. Um, and then when we uh, eventually when we got inside the ropes, it was uh, it was great because we got to see everything. Um, and uh, yeah, just just crazy. Um, it's my dad is. On the other hand, is terrible. Um, he sometimes picks up things off the ground, and <laughs> if he makes birdie, he keeps them, and if he doesn't, he throws it away. So <laughs> he had—I had can't remember which tournament it was—but he had a thing called the lucky stick, which he picked up, picked it up, and Matt made like four birdies on the bounce, and uh, that was to finish the the day. And then he took it home with him, and then brought it back the next day, and I think he made birdie on the second, and he just, just tossed it away. Um, so yeah, he's, he's the. My dad is definitely worse than my mom.
1: Well, they've obviously watched you on some of probably the smallest stages growing up and some of the grandest stages between you and your incredible performances, you know, in college, Walker Cup, amateurs, et cetera, and then Matt at at the U.S. Open. Take us back to growing up. How'd you get into the game and what was it like growing up, kind of competing with your brother a bit in the backyard maybe? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've
0: said this a few times, sort of the age gap between us is, just like a little too big for us yeah. to be almost. Um, it's obviously a little more now. I'm older and um, I guess we're both professional. But um, sort of when I, when I was younger, I, I played a lot of football or soccer, as you guys would know it. And um, I would say that that was probably my main sport until I kind of had to make a decision when I was like 14, 15, at what I want to play as, um, as a future, really. And um, we, I'd say after that, I would say we'd see him a little bit, but because um, the age gap was so different, he would play tournaments that I couldn't get in. Um, so he'd travel, and I'd, I'd end up going, being dragged up there with my parents, and I would hate it. And I'd <laughs> want to go home and, and see my mates back home at school, and um, but I, uh, the first event we actually played in together as a top in a tournament was the Valspar in March. So that was the first ever tournament we played together, um, and it was nice to have him there, nice to play practice rounds with him, and. Um, pick his brains a little bit and um, yeah hopefully hopefully I'll be competing against him soon on a uh, on a bigger stage but for now I'm um, hoping to play some good golf this week and uh, Hopefully, on the European Tour and the PGA Tour at some
1: point. <laughs> Something tells me you'll find you'll find each other in the fairways again for sure. Uh, so, going back to 2013, when you were caddying for him at the U.S. Amateur, was that an inspiration for you to to be inside the ropes at a big event like that, as you were just getting into that elite amateur game?
0: Um, not really. I, I, the only reason I was I was caddying was uh, my dad promised me a new iPhone. <laughs> 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 That's the reason. I was, uh, I was caddying. I mean, we when we got there, it was incredibly hot, and uh, the course was obviously really long. Um, caddies were too expensive for us. We, we weren't born on lots of money. Um, so, my dad was like, Look at, obviously never assuming that he'd win, was like, Yeah, like, I'll give you a new iPhone if we win and all that. And I was like, Oh, go on then, like, I'll take it. And then, lo and behold, we <laughs> get to the final and he goes and wins. And uh, my dad actually uh, my dad actually took up what he said and got me a new phone, which was great. So, all my mates were jealous back home.
1: You're making me feel old because when I was that age, there definitely wasn't an iPhone to be had <laughs> uh, if I did I'm well.
0: Old, don't worry.
1: <laughs> so so then obviously uh you caddy and then you make your way to wake forest uh and had a great career take us through what that was like the pga tour you experienced your walker cup experience you've had quite a golf career for yourself even before just recently turning professional
0: yeah um sort of going to college i think because helped me an incredible amounts um I, i'll say that i say this a lot but i think if you if you want to develop as a player and also as a person i think um for a golfer of course i think days is the best way to go i mean you have world-class facilities at a lot of places um no offense to being back home but there's not many places that have amazing facilities i mean my was my home golf course you could only hit seven iron on so like I, you couldn't go and drive oh, wow. as i, was, <laughs> I went, but the um i think i think it's the best place to go and um over the years, I felt like my game developed just a little bit more each year, and um, I think that showed. And uh, I wish, I wish the end of my um, the, the spring semester of my season went a bit better. But uh, when you go through some pretty big swing changes and stuff, it's hard to hard to go out and play well. Um, but yeah, very, very, very lucky and privileged to uh, for Wake to to allow me to go to there, and um, very thankful for what they did for me. <laughs>
2: Alex, you mentioned some swing changes. What are some things that you've been working on over the past six to eight months, maybe since you know we last saw you uh, from a USGA perspective at the Walker Cup at Seminole? What are some things you're working on that, that you think can help take your game to that next level?
0: Um, one of the, the key components of my game is, is um, just trying to get it in the fairway off the tee. Um, m- my swings uh, that I used to have were very like low squeeze cuts, and anyone who played with me would would know that because it only goes knee high. Um, so that was one thing that I, I I solely had to focus on. Really, was just hitting it better off the tee. Um, and I went through I went through a load of swing changes and um, lots of stuff. And eventually, uh, eventually, I started seeing uh, a guy called Mark Blackburn about two months ago. Um, he's been incredibly helpful uh, and just incredibly knowledgeable as well and um, yeah I feel like it's definitely getting better which is great and I'm lucky because my brother's circle and my circle are pretty much identical and everyone is really close so um, everyone's willing to help each other which is nice
2: well, certainly, uh, you know, I'm sure you've learned a lot from from Mark, from your brother Matt, you know, with, with the swing and with the mental game. What are some things that, you know, you've been able to, to pick up from, from Matt over the, the years? And, and maybe what are some things that, you know, maybe he's been able to learn from you in terms of you seem like you're slightly different personalities, your games might be a little different, but you know, how have you been able to push each other to get better? And, and what are some things that, you know, does he do well that you can pick up on and, and vice versa?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not loads that he, uh, he can take from me really. But, um, but I mean, uh, we, we're, we're two completely different people, um, just in person and on the golf course where he's incredibly statistical, everything he looks at is like, all right, how can I gain point zero zero six on my seven wood out the thick rough, you know, like it's some of the stuff he has is crazy, but that's, that's what suits him. And that's what, um, makes him different than the rest of the field and that's how he improves whereas um, I'm much more uh, I would say like natural and like feely rather than like statistical at all and um, that's something I've tried to be a little more of just so I could take it into my own game and and see where uh, I need to improve but um, I know there's some things um, that he kind of gets frustrated at because my eye play is normally okay and his is probably the weakest part of his game, really, but even though it's getting loads better, but, um, when I played with him a couple of times and I've hit it inside him, he's like, oh, for God's sake, not again. Um, uh, but yeah, there's, there's not much, there's not much that he can really take from me. Um, as, especially as a U.S. Open
1: champion. Well, he said it. He said if there was one shot he didn't want, it would have been a fairway bunker shot. And then he has, I mean, that's going to go down in one of the greatest shots, and he'll certainly have more great shots in his career. But to date, I mean, that picture from behind, if that ball is about four inches to the right, there's that lip, and he can't get it over it. Instead, he sticks it. Um, and, you know, your your fellow Demon Deacon, Will Zalatoris is about an inch or two from sending that thing to a playoff. But what a shot that was and going back to, to your Walker cup experience. Um, I, I was at Seminole. I didn't make it over in 2019, but what did that mean to you to represent your country and just be a part of the pageantry of the Walker cup? It's certainly one of Mike and I's favorite events that the USGA uh, is a part of. Just obviously very, very lucky to, to be playing in both of them.
0: Um, and I think if you ask any Amateur, uh, whether he's from America or, or here in Great Britain, it's, it's the one thing that they want to do is play Walker Cup, and um, it's always always amazing when you can represent your country. Um, the the support I had in at Hoylake um, was incredible. There was so many people out there. Um, Seminole, it, it was a little more difficult because of COVID, so all of our our fans couldn't couldn't come over, so it was all American, but still they'd. Um, they were very supportive, and uh, a lot of a lot of familiar faces I saw out there. But um, yeah, it's special. Um, the only thing that could replicate it on a greater scale would be the Rider Cup, and hopefully, Touchwood. On uh, one day, I'll get to uh, I'll get to playing that. <laughs>
2: Well, the, the sister event for the Walker Cup is the Curtis Cup, and, and that fell right uh, before the U.S. Open in the schedule this year. That was at Marion. You were there for that as well. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience and getting to see more as a fan to, to see the the pinnacle of amateur golf uh, up close and personal on the women's side.
0: Yeah. Um, my Well, my girlfriend plays for the United States. So I was sort of stuck in the middle of her <laughs> Um I was telling her that it was America and it might have been the other way. I'm not sure, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's great that the course was in unbelievable shape. Um, It was literally manicured to perfection and almost, it looked like Augusta. I mean, um, it was incredible and um, it's, it's interesting that the game is, I do think the game is obviously different for, um, the women than it is for the men, but um, it was still just as exciting. And uh, and the support and crowds that it had there was was crazy. I mean, there were so many people. Um, but yeah, like, like like the Walker Cup, it's these girls were extremely excited to represent the country, and uh, they were all fought as hard as they could. And um, I know the United States came out on top, but I'm sure it was a great experience for for all of them there.
2: Yeah, as you mentioned, your girlfriend. Rachel Keane was out there uh, representing the USA, and for the second Curtis Cup in a row, she clinched the winning point. So, uh, certainly a lot to be proud of, and uh, I'm sure a lot of barbs traded between the two of you with that. Uh, we'll get you out of here with this one, uh, but wanted to find out, you you and Matt, winners in 2013 at the Country Club. Matt, of course, winner in 2022. What was the celebration like afterwards? What was it like in 2013, from what you remember, other than the iPhone? And then what was that Sunday night and Monday like uh, when you were there uh, with
0: Matt and with the family uh, just a couple of weeks ago at Brooklyn? Um, 2013, I, I can't really remember if there was much celebration. He was only 18, so he wasn't even legal to drink in the States. <laughs> I, I was only 13, and I didn't even know what alcohol was then. So I, I doubt there was much drinking, but uh, there wasn't there definitely wasn't any for me and my brother, but um, I'm sure there was some for my dad and... Uh, <laughs> Always staying with, but um, it's funny. You'd, you'd expect for the U.S. Open to be like a massive celebration and going out and drinking loads and drinking out the trophy and all that. But um, I mean, he was there signing autographs for maybe until eleven thirty at night, and he'd finished at six thirty, so it, it was like five hours of signing autographs and pictures and whatnot. Um doing interviews and all of that sort of stuff and by the time we got home it was uh, it was like twelve thirty one. so he was exhausted everyone's exhausted um so there, there wasn't there was there wasn't any celebration at all really um i'm sure there will be in in coming weeks when he's got some actual free time but um yeah there wasn't there wasn't really much and then we flew to the new york the next day and um just more interviews, so none of us got chance to really take in what what actually happened, and it's still not really sucking in, to be honest
1: with you. Yeah, you mentioned free time. It doesn't seem like there's been much of that for either of you. And obviously, you <laughs> just de- de- declare that you're you'll be a professional competing in the Irish Open this week. Um, you finished sixth in the PGA Tour U rankings, which also give you status on PGA Tour Canada. What is next for Alex Fitzpatrick? How are you planning your calendar out?
0: Um yeah i'm uh after this i have a couple of weeks off and i'll um i'll go play in canada um hopefully some some events over there and then after that i'm gonna uh, fly back here and play some events over here hopefully with some invites and stuff um i'm extremely excited for that and then um at the end of the year just corn for a q school um that's the that's the main goal and um Obviously, it would be great to play on the European Tour or the PGA Tour. Um, so, yeah, just just a bit sort of a busy schedule and lots of flying. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it all.
1: Well, Alex, thank you for joining us. We wish you all the best of luck as, as you kind of grind through the summer. All the best in your professional career. And we look forward to seeing you hopefully at a U.S. Open as well uh, so you can join your, your, uh, your brother in the Hall of Champions here at the USGA. But thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it.
0: No, thank you for having me on. Thank you,
1: guys. There you have it, folks. We can't thank Alex enough for taking the time out of his schedule to join us today. As you can tell, there's been a ton of success in the Fitzpatrick family inside the ropes in the last decade, and something tells me both Matt and Alex may just be getting started. You can catch highlights of Matt's incredible U.S. Open Championship victory on the USGA's YouTube channel and the USGA On Demand app. I sure can't get enough of it, especially that putt on 15. and the incredible fairway bunker shot on 18 in the final round on Sunday. Not only that, but you can catch a ton of highlights from the other USGA championships we had in June. And what a June it was. Minji Lee's win at Pine Needles in the 77th U.S. Women's Open presented by Prometica. USA team's resounding victory in the Curtis Cup at Marion and Padraig Harrington's big U.S. Senior Open victory at Saucon Valley. Plenty to keep you busy. So for my co-host, Mike Trost, I'm Dave Giancola, and we'll talk to you next time.